Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 246. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and this is a very special episode. I reached out to 10 of the previous guests who have been on this show and asked them to submit a recording of themselves speaking about the role of significant and important mentors in their lives, Uh, mentors that have helped them grow as Bible teachers and preachers, and also mentors that have helped them to grow as Christians and leaders. So you're going to be hearing from a lot of different voices, and if you're a longtime listener to the show, they're all going to be familiar to you. In the show notes, there's going to be links to each and every one of their previous episodes, and then each of those episodes will have show notes that's going to give all the details of their life and ministry and links to their books or all that kind of thing. So I'm not going to be giving extended introductions to each and every one of the voices that you're going to hear. I'm merely going to introduce them and they're going to speak for themselves. And if you want more details, check out the show notes. Well, first, we're going to be hearing from Dr. Phil Newton. Uh, He currently lives in Germantown, Tennessee. After serving in pastoral ministry for 35 years at Southwoods Baptist Church, uh, now Dr. Newton has transitioned to the Director of Pastoral Care and Mentorship for the Pillar Network. And Phil has written loads of books. Particularly, I want to shout out The Mentoring Church, and he's currently working on a book called Shepherding the Pastor, Help for the Early Years of Ministry. And there's no one better to start off this episode on mentorship than Dr. Phil Newton. I'm Phil Newton, and I serve as Director of Pastoral Care and Mentoring for the Pillar Network. And you can check us out at thepillarnetwork.com. I served for 44 years as a lead pastor, served a couple of other years on a church staff, and have spent the last 35 years of my ministry as senior pastor at Southwoods Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. During that time, especially in the early days after we moved to Memphis to plant a church, I had the wonderful joy of being mentored by Dr. Stephen Oford. Uh, Dr. Oford was born in Africa as a missionary kid, came to faith in Christ in the UK, uh, served as a pastor uh, in the uh, UK and also in uh, New York City, and then had a long itinerant ministry, did a lot of publishing. But the real key of what Dr. Ofer did for so many years was train preachers to preach expositionally. I was first introduced to him uh, when I was a college student. I was attending a conference, and I remember I, after hearing him preach, I literally could not get out of the pew. I just sat there dumbfounded because I'd never heard preaching with such power. And of course, that affected me. He visited with a group of college students from the college that I attended in Mobile, Alabama, and spoke to us out of Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. And I can still remember bits and pieces of that message. Well, after that, after seeing him model biblical exposition, that that deeply affected me, and I really committed myself to be an expositor. I wanted to learn what it was to exposit the scriptures. Uh, As a seminary student in a class on expository preaching, we actually listened to some of Dr. Oford's sermons. Well, of course, I went to seminary during the days and pastored in my early days, when there was no such thing as an internet. We had cassette tapes, so occasionally I'd have a cassette tape and listen to Stephen Oford preach. My brother had visited Memphis shortly before we had moved up this way, and I think even uh, before I knew I'd be heading this way, and he heard Dr. Oford speak at a conference, and he mentioned something at that conference about speaking in chapel at uh, Wheaton, when Jim Elliott was a student 
And Jim Elliott made a commitment to begin journaling at that point. And if you read the journal of Jim Elliott, my brother brought me a copy. Uh, Stephen Oford is mentioned right at the beginning. Uh, we moved here and moved to Memphis, and I attended a workshop that Dr. Oford was doing. Uh, had a real big help on me uh, in my thinking on biblical exposition. And before long, he just took me in as a friend and began to build a relationship with him. And I, I found myself having many opportunities to have conversations with him. I would sometimes uh, attend an institute that he was holding in Memphis, or might even be teaching one by his kind invitation. And he would call me in to have tea with him. And he would talk to me about different things. And I knew he was he was pushing things into my life, and he was probing a bit, and he was trying to sharpen me. And I, I greatly appreciated that. He even opened up with me from time to time about things that distressed him. I remember him telling about a very popular rising star in preaching circles, who uh, had told Dr. Oford to his face, expository preaching is a thing of the past. And of course, Oford was horrified, and I was too when I heard that. One of the most memorable times was when I was going through a real difficult time in my church. I was getting complaints about preaching, and uh, maybe some of those complaints were certainly deserved. But Part of it was people did not want biblical exposition, They especially good, meaty expositions. And so I contacted him and asked for counsel, and he told me he faced the same thing when he pastored Calvary Baptist in New York City. And he said, bro, I would preach to them every year why I preach expositionally. And he exhorted me to do the same thing. So I did that and had great response to that message. I remember him also telling me about some of the difficulties he had, especially when pastoring at Calvary in New York City. And he had talked with Martin Lloyd-Jones about it. And he, he ran into Lloyd-Jones on a ship. Uh, and uh, he asked Lloyd-Jones how things were going at Westminster Chapel. And Lloyd-Jones said, uh, Stephen, my boy, we're emptying the place. And he said, what? He said, we're emptying the place because until God empties it, he will not fill it. And he used that as a time to help me understand that sometimes there is a pruning that goes on in our churches. And I was so encouraged, even when facing really hard times, because Dr. Oford, as a mentor, helped me to see the important thing was the work of the Spirit of God. Not how well my performance went, but what the Lord God was doing. And I'm forever grateful to have had him as a mentor. Okay, now from Tennessee, we're going to journey over to Texas to hear from Dr. Alan Stoddard. Uh, you can listen to an episode that he did on sermon-based small groups, and there's going to be a link in the description for that. And now here's Alan Stoddard speaking about some mentors in his life that have helped him grow. Well, all right. Alan Stoddard here, lead pastor at Calvary Chapel, Ruidoso, New Mexico, two hours north of the El Paso border in Texas. But if I think about mentors, I, I, it's hard for me not to mention Chuck Smith, because when I became a Christian, I was he was my radio rabbi, I call him. Um, I listened to him like so many others did all the time. I was not a church guy, so I used to just weep while listening to him teach back then in the, in the late 80s. He and four other guys were the only guys, but I've had a lot of great influences and uh, mentors. I've been probably, it's probably not fair. I've thought about that. I've had so much influence from just some inc incredible people. Uh, but if I was going to name one, it would be Dr. Lloyd C. Blue. And most people won't know his name. If you go into black culture, everybody knows his name. Um, it seems like Dr. Blue used to work for E.V. Hill in Los Angeles, the great pastor, preacher, E.V. Hill. Well, Blue was his associate pastor and he served and served. And, and then his unique part was that he he actually was a worship leader in a white Southern Baptist church in California. Then he got connected to Campus Crusade for Christ. 
And as a national Baptist, which is the black uh, African-American um, version of, of Baptist life, the National Baptist Convention, he was a part of that. But he was a guy that kind of broke the mold a little in that line of ministry. He could go into a culture and he can minister in any culture is what I'm trying to blab out. But the way I met Dr. Blue was I, I became the uh, evangelism pastor and then the executive pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church, a mega black church in Arlington, Texas. And I, I when I was the evangelism pastor, they put us in the same office together. And I did not know the legend of Dr. Lloyd C. Blue. And so I'm in there and then I, I kind of figure it out. And I, I went to the rest of the staff people and I went, you guys put me in a room with a legend. This guy is a living legend. I mean, he's amazing. And he became my, uh, he became a friend, a mentor, really a father in so many ways. His, he and his wife, Tressie, have done this to so many people, but he would invite you over and make food and you would sit in his house and he would disciple people around the kitchen table. And um, then I would drive him to places like, uh, he was involved with uh, mentoring Kenny Almer in Southern California and some other big name pastors. And here I am driving him around. And it was <laughs> unique because I was kind of his driver and and became one of his adopted sons in the ministry. And people are like, who's the white guy? And it was just really, really cool. He could preach a one verse sermon like no one else. He had this formula for taking one verse. And I mean, in, in black preaching style with a bunch of rhetoric and oratory precision and emotion. And yet he had a biblical understanding of church growth that was responsible. And then the Bible, he was into expository preaching and it, it just, it just melted all over me. And the, there's so there's two things, personal investment in my life, but then there's the the pastoral side where I watched him and he discipled, oh, so many of us, but there were probably about eight of us at the church at, when I was at Cornerstone that he just personally invested in, in his own home. He's just a, a prince of a man. I love the man. I texted him yesterday during church. I thought of him and said, I love you, Papa. And he texted back, love you back. And He's a soul winner. He worked for Campus Crusade for Christ. So he learned all of that uh, evangelism in the evangelical Billy Graham, Campus Crusade for Christ mold. And then he went and inserted that in the black churches he was in and discipling pastors. And just to be around him, I got in the room at times around some pretty big stuff. Uh, big name preachers and just behind the scenes things that you don't always get access to only because I was with him. And every once in a while I drop his name just to, to, to be a blessing. And so if you were asking me of one person, there's so many, but one person, it's going to be Dr. Lloyd C. Blue, who's impacted my life most as far as personal ministry and pastoral ministry. Well, thanks Alan. And now over to the UK we're going to be hearing from John Hindley. He serves as the teaching elder at Broad Grace Church in Norfolk, England. Um, he had an episode entitled Serving Without Sinking. If you scroll all the way back to episode 209, or there's a link in the show notes. But here's John to speak about some significant mentors in his life. Hi, um, it's good to be with you. My name is John Hindley. I'm a pastor at for Broad Grace Church, which meets in Coltishall in Norfolk, which is to the east of England. Uh, it's a rural area. I've served here now for uh, 12 years. I've been in pastoral ministry for 20 years, and the Lord, by his grace, saved me 25 years ago. I'm married to Felicity. We've got three little girls. Um, I get to be part of a, a, a wonderful, kind, loving church family. So I am very blessed. And I've been blessed through my life to have wonderful mentors. Um, individually, I've had godly men who have coached me and mentored me for different seasons. And collectively, I've had quite a variety, which has been a blessing too. So uh, most of the mentors have been British, but 
had one mentor, Jason Roberts, who's American and incredibly wise, godly man. And it was wonderful having that, that just different perspective and different church backgrounds um, speaking into my life as well. But a mentor I particularly wanted to talk about was the first Christian who mentored me. Um, actually, very soon after I was saved, I, I was saved whilst at university, at college. And um, after that, I did an internship in a church in Buckinghamshire, which is just outside London. And I was mentored by the assistant minister, the curate of the church, a man called Simon Austin. And part of his, his role was to disciple me as an intern, but he was a, a godly example of someone who goes way beyond the, the bare minimum. Um, Simon was a, a wise pastor. He's a gifted preacher. And he met with me weekly to talk through the ministry that I was doing, the preparation that I was doing. I was doing quite a lot of youth work, but also beginning to take opportunities to preach in church and to lead um, meetings in schools, in secondary schools, assemblies and Christian union meetings. And Simon would just walk gently with me through my preparations and my understanding of the Bible, but also with a concern for my life, my, my godliness, my struggles with with suffering or with sin and i think that what what really struck me what i should say is i wasn't just mentored by simon i was mentored by simon and fiona um his wife as a couple they they took me into their home they had me around for meals but not just the sort of meals where where they tidied everything up and fiona cooked a delicious uh feast they did that but they had me around just for monday lunches um, they had me around for suppers with their children and they got me to help with bedtime. So I got to see what Christian family life looks like. I got to read Bible stories to little children uh, years before I had my own. I got to see their marriage and they were honest and open about um, their struggles and their, their arguments as well as about the good bits. And they, they let me see that without being defensive and proud um, and they I mean, are an amazingly godly couple, but it was so generous. I don't think at the time I realized how much I learned from both of them. And now, 20 years on, I just so often find myself um, thanking the Lord for something that Simon taught me or something that I learned from Simon and Fiona and their parenting. Um, they've stayed great friends. They've, they've kept in touch you know, years later. Um, Simon's asked me to go and speak at a retreat that his church is having uh, next year. And, and it has just been an enormous blessing to have them long-term in my life. Um, I owe them a huge amount. And I, I think what made the difference was the way they shared not only wonderful teaching, but as Paul said, we shared our life with you. Um, they shared their lives with me. And as a young Christian man, I think that maybe more than anything else the Lord used to set me on a trajectory of, of seeking holiness, of wanting to grow as a Bible teacher and wanting to live um, an honest and, and faithful life as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as well as as a minister of the gospel. And now we're going to go back to the USA. Uh, Ronnie Martin is the lead pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio. He's been interviewed on this show two times before. And if you're listening to this late in October, or in the month of November, what you got to do is you've got to check out episode 196, which is all about preparing Advent sermon series and preaching leading up to Christmas. It is a great, timely conversation preparing your calendar and your heart for our annual celebration of the incarnation of Christ. Anyway, here's Ronnie speaking about the role of mentorship and coaching in his life. Well, hey, this is Ronnie Martin, lead pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio. And I'm here just to talk a little bit about um, a particular mentor of mine that had a, a really a major impact in my life. This would have been a couple decades ago, a guy named Robert Campbell, who's a pastor of a new church that we started attending and it was one of these really interesting moments for me when, man, I really, in some ways, shape or form, grown up in the church. And this was somebody who came at a time in my life where he was intentional about investing 
reaching into my life. And he did it in a way that that nobody else had ever done that. So at this point, I'm in my you know, uh, early 30s and I'm working in the music industry and um, God is starting to make some of those tugs and pulls into ministry, but they're not very clear and visible to me quite yet. And this was somebody who recognized that, who saw that and very intentionally kind of reached into my life and said, hey, I would love to sit down with you. I would love to grab a cup of coffee. I would love to just get your story and ask you some good questions. And and it was it's kind of interesting to think about, but in all of my years of church, really nobody had done that with that level of intentionality. And so I remember the first time just sitting down with this guy, again, at a local coffee shop, and in just a very kind and gracious way, he started asking me a bunch of questions about my life and my vocation and my pursuits. And it just developed into this, um, this great friendship that still exists even today. But I think what was significant about it was uh, the Lord really used him to wake me up and to, I think, kind of pull me out of some of the some of the nominalism that had really characterized my life up to that point. And I remember him literally at one point asking me, like, what are you doing with your life? Like what, like what, what all these things that you're doing? And I was I've always been this person that has too many things going on at one time. But he he stood back and he said, hey, as I as, as you share these things with me. And as I've reflected on them, man, I would love to just ask you, like, where where is Christ in all of this? And how do these pursuits, how are they drawing you closer to him? And what do you think he's trying to speak to you in these in these moments and in this particular season? And again, it's so strange to think about that there had been so few men in my life or pastors in my life that had ever taken the time to ask me those really reflective and contemplative questions. And God really used that. Um, for me to start thinking ab- about my life in those terms and not just being, kind, you know, living this pinball machine existence where I'm just bouncing, you know, off of all of these different, um, you know, pursuits and, you know, accomplishments, um, but really kind of thinking, hey, what is the Lord speaking to me and and what, where is he leading me and what are these areas and in, in my life that don't really reflect um, a relationship with Jesus so Robert was just this guy that had the courage and the grace to ask those questions, to get me thinking, to get me praying, and to get me um, just bringing greater awareness into my life of who Jesus was, what he's doing, and how I need to I need to develop ears to listen to that and, and a heart to receive that, and then maybe repent of some things um, or maybe many things and see where the Lord was leading me. And and that was really sort of an introduction into the path that God had been establishing into ministry in my life. I didn't know it at the time, um, but he used Robert for that. So just a, a super impactful season in my life brought in somebody who just loved me, cared for me, invested in me. And um, I, honestly, I'm, I'm here doing some of the things I am today. Uh, because of maybe some of those initial moments that um, we spent in that coffee shop, thinking through scripture, praying through life events, and being able to um, be in a safe place where the Lord could really speak to my heart. So grateful for Robert, and that would be that would be a story of a, of a mentor in my life that God really used. Thanks, Ronnie. And now we're going to head over to the nation, the kingdom of Bahrain in the Middle East. Here is James Travis speaking about the role of his former pastor and how that has helped shape him into the preacher and leader that he is today. Hey, my name is James Travis. I'm the pastor of SAR Fellowship. We are an international church in the kingdom of Bahrain. And one guy that really helped me along in pastoral ministry was a guy by the name of Denny Barger. So Denny was the pastor when we arrived here in Bahrain in 2013. And it was to Denny that I went with a couple of questions, kind of big questions about, look, you know, I'm kind of feeling this call into full-time vocational ministry. How do I do it? What do I do? How do I how do I make sure if this is real or not? You know, basically, what do I do? Uh, and instead of packing me off back to home countries to uh, go full-time into education or something like that, Denny started pretty much a one-to-one mentoring 
program for me. Uh, and that was in addition to me pursuing a master's degree. I did an MDiv with Calvary Chapel University, which was great. Cannot recommend that highly enough. Uh, so over a period of about five years, uh, Denny and I met pretty much every week and uh, went through a very systematic program, basically. It wasn't formal and written down in, in that kind of sense, but it was very systematic. It was a lot of what's this going to be like? What are the personal qualities that you need to be aware of that you're going to need, uh, the kinds of conversations that you're going to have with people, specifically in our international uh, church where people come and go so frequently. But the one thing that I would want to pass on and uh, one thing that I would really encourage mentors and mentees to be aware of is that there is a subtle but complementary difference uh, between preaching and teaching. So when we're delivering a sermon on a Sunday or a Friday, as it is for me, because Friday is the day that we do church, there really has to be some teaching before there is some preaching. Uh, so people really need to understand, to get it, to know what's going on, uh, why, did, why is this important, uh, who wrote this part of the Bible? To whom? Why? What What are they trying to communicate? What's the bigger picture? What's the context? People need to be taught before uh, they are preached at. Because whilst it's, you know, it's possible for us to just jump up and go straight into declaring and sharing the love of God with people, uh, more often than not, people want to know why. Why is this important? Why should I take the Bible seriously? Why can Scripture be trusted? Uh, what's going on? Um, so we've recently been working through 1 Corinthians, and you know Paul's talking about gifts in church and, and how they're going to be used. And uh, he says, look, when we're in church, I'd rather speak five words to instruct others than, than 10,000 words in a tongue. And, uh, and that's really stuck with me, this idea that when we're delivering sermons, there has to be a little bit of teaching first. We've got to set the context. People need to know before they can grow. People need to be taught before they are preached at. And uh, that's really, really stuck with me over time. And it's something that I try to, uh, to get into my messages every week when the church gathers and assembles on Friday. And it's definitely something that I would encourage uh, younger preachers and teachers uh, or anybody who's, who's really looking to uh, give a well-rounded, edifying and encouraging sermon weekly uh, to, to bear in mind the different yet complementary roles uh, of preaching and teaching in your weekly sermon. Kike Torres is the pastor of Orizante Quietero, which is a church that is just north of Mexico City in Mexico. He's involved in biblical counseling and is a great guy to learn from. So here is Pastor Kike. Hey, I'm Kike Torres from Mexico. Hi. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the blessing that has been for me the mentor that one of my mentors that I got has been blessing me with, uh, Van Speedman. He used to be a pastor of Hope Church in Las Vegas. Now he's the president of Sand Network. Um, I get in contact with him like 2019 uh, when I was in a really bad moment uh, in a crisis. Uh, I was going to have a, a vocal cord uh, surgery because uh, nobody teach me the the healthy pace of preaching. Uh, so I have so many preaching events that I kind of, yeah, have these kind of things that needs to be uh, by surgery taken out of my vocal cords. So when I uh, met with him, he, he told me that he had that kind of crisis 10 years ago. And one Monday he woke up and basically he wasn't able to go out of bed. And the wife like called the doctors, the doctors come to his home and, and basically told him that, Everything is okay. Basically, his body collapsed. Uh, and he wasn't able to do <laughs> many things for, for a while. Uh, so he 
he so graciously told me like, Kike, this is the like first calling by God. Like you need to, you need to stop. You need to consider you, the pace that you're having. Uh, and he so lovingly walk with me, invest in me, uh, show me the grace that, that I need to consider the, how to have a healthy pace for my body, for my soul, for my mind, for my family in, in a way that I, I won't sacrifice my family in the altar of ministry. Uh, so basically since then he has been a blessing and, and we do kind of, kind of accountability together on this. Hey, give me a word from the Lord that gave you today. Not what you are reading in a book, not your sermon prep. What does he told you this morning? Uh, we want to hear directly of what God is bringing to your life to, today. And it has been a blessing like him to me and, 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 and mutually kind of being accountable and, and a blessing in a way like, hey, how's your wife? Hey, how's your rest? Are you resting? Uh, uh, now that he's a president of these kind of big planting churches and a network uh, and the traveling that he has, it's a blessing just to be able to encourage each other on this. Hey, how are you? Any word from the Lord today that want to share with me. And we, at least three times a week, we share together kind of Bible portions and I encourage. And having my wife, um, being a friend with his wife, he, he has been a blessing too. So this kind of mentorship, understanding the way on having a big brother that cares for you and you cares for him and walk life together and he comes and I go there and we pray together and we just being aware that have you had someone that cares, prays, and is ready and willing to be there when you need it, that's a blessing. So, uh, and even in that way, I wasn't kind of grow like that, but uh, having someone that takes the initiative to look after you, uh, as pastor, we had this kind of, oh, if they don't need, if they don't reach to me, they don't need me. So they're okay. No, but we see on Jesus, uh, he took the initiative. He was there. He was the one who always <laughs> did the first step. So having a, a mentor just contacting you, hey, praying for you, hey, uh, I, I, I remember so much. He is sending one message says, in case nobody has been telling this to you today, I love you and I'm proud of you. Man, these kind of messages made your day. So uh, that's the way that I, I, I wasn't kind of growing that in that kind of relationship, uh, even as a pastor being sent. Yeah, as you may know, we on the on Calvary has this win disciples sent. And when they send you, they send you with the Holy Spirit and that's it. And you're by your own. Uh, so having this kind of uh, pastor or mentor uh, caring for you and having the taking the initiative to care and touch base and see where you how you are and encourage that has been a game changer for my life for my marriage and for my ministry and I'm so happy to have that kind of modeling to reproduce that in my pastors in, and in the pastor that we are planting and the pastor that we are kind of caring so uh, anyway that's that's the, the way a mentor has been a blessing to me well, Chad Brooks is a United Methodist pastor in Alexandria, Louisiana. Uh, you might know him from hosting the Productive Pastor podcast, and he's a wealth of information about pastoral productivity. But I want to let you hear about an influential leader and mentor from his years as a student. I'm Chad Brooks, a pastor here in Louisiana also host the Productive Pastor podcast. It was a big honor for Mike to call and to email and say, hey, Chad, would you share about a specific mentor in your life? And I thought about it and I've had all these folks that have mentored me. And the thing that's in common between all of them is that they took a chance on me. And so I want to talk about Aaron and how Aaron took a chance on me. Uh, Aaron was actually the pastor of the first church my wife and I really fell into in seminary. Um, but it was in this horrible, horrible, like really, really bad urban neighborhood. And the church, this was in 2004, 2005, had become the cool church for seminary students who were around Lexington, Kentucky to go to church to. And it frustrated Aaron because these all of us seminary students were driving in from Sundays. We weren't there on Tuesdays to help with their ministry with the poor and that sort of thing. And so Aaron said, if you're coming to church here uh, because you think it's cool, I want you to quit coming to church here and go to church in your own neighborhood because that's where you, you, you're needed the most. 
And my wife and I were in the membership process when he said that, and we felt deeply convicted. So we started going to a little Baptist church that was a block away from our house, 40 minutes away, because we could not commit to driving in. And when I told Aaron we were leaving, he said, oh, all right, bro, we'll miss you. And I said, I want to come back and do supervised ministry with you. And he said, okay, yeah, sure. He told me later afterwards, he said, yeah, I never expected to see you again. Well, like two and a half years later, I see him on campus. I chase him down and say, hey, I want to come do supervised ministry with you next semester. Is that all right? And he's like, yeah, sure, come on. So we we filled the forms out. Let me tell you what, that four months of supervised ministry turned into like this two years of this weird, unnamed, unpaid internship to where I was like his evangelistic assistant and the worship leader for the church. I learned so many things from Aaron. And that's kind of how he rolls. Like he taught me so much about listening to the spirit and being explicitly deliberate about Jesus. Uh, One of the things he also did though is he taught me so much about prayer and the power of prayer and why we need to pray and why we need to find praying people. Uh, One time I'd been there for like six months and he said, Chad, we're going to go see Miss Ada today. And Miss Ada Sweeney was an original member of this church. She was 90 years old. Uh, she was homebound, but she prayed all day long for people. In fact, in our bulletin, there was a little note that said, need prayer, call Ada Sweeney. And it had her phone number on it. And so we go pull up at her house. It's several blocks away. It's in the kind of good part of town still. And we go up to and her storm door is closed, but her front door is open. So Aaron knocks on it, and we hear this sweet little old lady voice, Pastor Aaron, you and that young man go get a drink of water first. And then he turns around and looks at me and says, I didn't tell her we were coming. And for the next like three hours, this was this wild time of just holiness and, and, and prophetic prayer and just power of someone who just committed themselves. I went and saw Ada a couple of times after that. I would refer to her as the oracle because she could just tell you things about who you were. The first thing she said to me was, you want to be a pastor? Well, how good are you at praying and fasting? And so Aaron introduced me to people like her. Aaron gave me a, a way to learn to develop my preaching gift. We had a Monday night service for folks that were homeless and in need. We would have around 100 people there. We'd also have a full meal and all sorts of like, uh, clothes closets and food bank. All these things were open. It was, a, it was People were at the church all night long. But we also had this really cool worship service that was a, a, normally about 100 people there. And I preached it for for six months. And I'll tell you, I learned so much. If you can preach to that room and that congregation, um, I remember we had to make rules. You can't shoot up in the building. It was just that, like, gnarly. I learned to preach there, and I still think I hold that down as the thing that really taught me what does it mean to teach people about the Bible and to teach them about how it applies to their real life, their real world. Aaron also taught me to take care of people. He was uh, super passionate about visiting house to house. Uh, he cared about their needs. He encouraged people to do innovative things. He uh, raised up a plan to help Nigerian uh, refugee pastors buy air compressors from Harbor Freight so they could raise fish in the backyards of their houses in the neighborhood. I mean, just all sorts of crazy stuff, just entrepreneurial innovation. The biggest thing I think that he did was he, A, taught me about just to have a deep love for the Scripture and to always be in the Scripture. Just read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Um, he got me on a 90-day reading plan that I kept with for years. He also invited me into a band meeting, which is this super like high-level vulnerability and accountability uh, system inside of like the old Methodist way. So for all those reasons, I'm glad I know Aaron Mansfield. My ministry is deeply impacted by Aaron Mansfield. I'm thankful for him. And so that's the person who I wanted to share a story with you today. Thanks, Chad. John Chandler currently lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, He has over 25 years of ministry and nonprofit leadership, and now he serves as a spiritual director, and he hosts the Consortio Day podcast. Hello, Expositors Collective, and I'm glad I could be part of this conversation. My name is John Chandler, and I am a spiritual director who spent about 25 years in ministry, used to have a podcast called Sermon Smith, uh, currently do spiritual direction with mostly pastors and other people who do uh, vocational ministry, and have a podcast also where I talk to them about that. It's called Consortio Day. So I'm thankful to come over here and kind of cross-pollinate and lend my voice to this conversation. It was interesting as I initially read the invitation to be part of this because the phrase specific mentor stuck out to me. And as I thought about like how was I really shaped and formed as a preacher and as a teacher, 
There's certainly a few people who stand out. You know, an early um, boss I had in ministry, quote unquote boss, but yeah, he was he was my boss. Um, really gave me a lot of good feedback in my first ministry or, you know, of course, like a homiletics professor or two along the way were really helpful. But really where I think I was formed the most in my own preaching was having the opportunity to be part of teams that both planned sermons together as well as evaluated sermons together. And that started, you know, my first ministry, I was in a really large church and got invited to be on the initial what we called the teaching team, which was just a a group of leaders in the church, a group of pastors in the church who got together every Monday morning. And we would review the sermon from the prior day. And we would then spend a bunch of time, you know, outlining ideas for whoever was preaching that week. And so that was all the people who preached regularly at the church. I was the low man on that totem pole. I preached like once a year, but it was still a gift to spend those couple of hours every Monday morning offering my ideas and to see how they played out, but also to have that feedback or hear the feedback we gave each other. I learned so much about preaching in a context like that. And so then from there, you know, I just really tried to make sure that I had that kind of small little community whenever I had some kind of role in teaching, you know, and I had a Uh, associate church planting role where we did the same thing. You know, every Monday we evaluated everything and we had a much smaller team, but we spent time, A, helping think through the sermon that was coming up and also evaluating the prior. And then even when I was in uh, a church plant where I was bivocational and only had a few part-time people, I tried to fill that a couple different ways. And uh, one of the ways that I tried to fill that was really tried to develop and raise up preachers even within our church community. And we had multiple people who were lay people in the church who preached regularly. And so even the the work of training for them and, and teaching them what it looks like to do the preparation and to put a sermon together and talk through that with them formed me as much as it formed them. Because mentoring is not just something you learn from someone who's maybe above you, but you learn from equals and you can even learn from people who are not quite as far along as you and whatever it is that you're doing the mentoring for. So I learned a lot of really meaningful things as I talked with them about, hey, this is what I noticed in your sermon and why did you do this? And, and even took some of that to heart in my own preaching. And then finally, at the same time in that ministry context where as a church planter, formed a community with a few other really generous pastors in the area who were in similar seasons um, in their church. They were typically in uh, younger church plants or a little bit more established than ours, but we got together every once in a while just to plan sermons together, especially when we knew, because we some of us did the lectionary, when we knew we were going to be doing similar topics or especially around the holidays, we would get together and plan and prepare some of those sermons together. But we also swapped a lot. And, you know, I preached in one of their churches a lot and they came over and preached in our church. And so we got really good feedback from one another and always just really tried to give each other um, thoughts on what we heard and how it played out in our community versus theirs and, and how we might improve and got some really encouraging feedback and really encouraging emails out of that from time to time, but also some really helpful feedback and just learned a lot. So I think there's a lot available. I I think a lot of people in ministry these, these days really feel a gap in mentorship. And in some traditions, I think that's more true than in others. But I think there's a lot of opportunities then to try to surround ourselves with some kind of almost peer level of mentorship. You know, how can we how can we cultivate relationships where we can be really helpful and open and honest with one another to learn how to do this craft the best we can and, and cultivate our souls as part of that. Thanks so much for listening. Mike, thanks for having me on. Uh, always love what's going on on this podcast and I appreciate your heart. So I'm thankful to be part of this. Well, from sunny Arizona, we're going to go to the Northwest Uh, Joe Gomez is the pastor of Calvary San Juan, uh, which is on an island off the coast of Washington State. And he's going to speak about those that have mentored him from afar and up close. Hey, everyone. My name is Joe Gomez, and I pastor uh, a church called Calvary San Juan here on the San Juan Islands in Friday Harbor, Washington. So I'm way up in the upper northwest corner of the continental U.S., actually closer to Canada. 
Um, I have been here for about 15 years originally from San Antonio, Texas. Um, I mean, huge contrast, right? From Texas down to this tiny little island off the coast of Washington state, ministering to Islanders. Um, I, you know, have the privilege of not only being the lead pastor, but also working with youth. The youth group has kind of been my midweek service for a lot of years. And so I've been teaching the Bible a lot. You know, I think, you know, on Sunday mornings, you know, going through books of the Bible and so forth. Um, and then on Wednesday nights, a little bit more casual, more uh, interactive, uh, but nonetheless ministering and preaching uh, to teenagers. Been doing that for like 20 years. You know, I thought when I moved to the island, uh, becoming a lead, a pastor, that I would no longer work with youth. And obviously the God had different plans. So I love it. Me and my wife, I've uh, got seven kids. And so ministering and just, you know, especially in a smaller fellowship, you know, you're wearing a lot of different hats. And so, you know, really try to concentrate on my preaching and teaching gifts and so forth, right? It's been a challenge because, you know, you're working on busted pipes or you're doing, you know, a lot of different things, you know, in a smaller uh, church, you know, you're, especially during the pandemic, you know, a lot of us were figuring out the whole, like, you know, audio visual aspect. And so a lot of it's hands-on. And so sadly, sometimes, you know, really trying to pour into the teaching and preaching ministry of leading a fellowship can be hard, uh, but the Lord has just uh, used some men in my life that have really blessed me. And I can just, you know, look back and see like, man, mentorship, how important and vital that is to be connected with some men who are doing somewhat the same things that you're doing, but they can also provide just some real good perspective. Uh, I think of, you know, three guys, two guys kind of from afar from the stage. You know, over the years, I've heard Pastor David Gutzik do Christ-centered preaching, and that was really amazing, really opened my eyes to uh, 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 wanting to make sure my preaching and teaching is Christ-centered. Nick Cady, a couple of years ago, I don't know, maybe 2019 or something, really kind of helped bring it all together, too, with his training weekend that we did in San Diego, got to be a part of that, uh, just really helped organize my thoughts, you know, in, in a way that really helped me. Uh, um, just, you know, really bring direction, you know, to my messages. Um, and I've been teaching the Bible for like 20 years, but sometimes there's some things that just don't click for you. Um, I didn't get a lot of hands-on training on how to form a message. And so those two come together awesome. But then one who's really just ministered to me and blessed me as a mentor, I've been privileged, uh, to have a, a friend of mine, Ed Taylor, um, he pastors a church called Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Um, he, I've been able to just spend some one-on-one time with him, you know, just spending time on, on hearing me out, having somebody that, um, that I could bounce things off of, you know, he's often told me like, Hey, you know, whether it's a big church, small church, it's all the same, right? We're dealing with a lot of the same issues. And so for me, you know, he listened to me, he, he spoke into my life, uh, just on a lot of different areas, like church finances, uh, leadership, um, and, and really helped me, uh, not just helped me, but I think taught me, showed me how to mentor other men, other pastors, um, especially supporting missionaries. I've really been able to see that firsthand, how that works. Um, and that, you know, just again, spending that one-on-one time, he's come out to the island, you know, three or four times now over the years, you know, it gave me an opportunity uh, to share my gifts with him as well. But the big thing too, is that, you know, just taking a combination of what I learned from David Gutzik, from Nick Katie, and then Pastor Ed, who, who is definitely, you know, he pastors through his preaching. And I've seen that firsthand of just, you know, trying to model that of, of being sensitive to the spirit of God, not just taking what I've learned about Christ and preaching and, and forming, you know, a concise message, but also so that I've not just given them information, but, but actually listening to the spirit of God as I preach the word of God. That's just been super impactful for me. Uh, it's taught me a lot about waiting on the spirit hearing the spirit of God in the moment and pastoring, you know, and, and even in, to a certain degree, certain degree, you're kind of mentoring even from the stage, so to speak. And so highly, highly recommend getting a mentor, but also being a mentor. That's what I, I think I learned as well from Pastor Ed was, was not only, you know, seeking out mentors, but being a mentor for other, other men and other young, you know, people who are still like in that process as well of learning. So, man, I hope that encourages you. I hope that blesses you. And uh, look forward to seeing some of you in person someday. God bless. Well, Brian Broderson serves as the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. 
and he's going to speak about some authors that have influenced him from afar and his father-in-law who has coached and guided and modeled leadership to him. And so here's Brian Broderson speaking about some mentors in his life. Hi, Expositors Collective. This is Brian Broderson, and I wanted to take a minute and talk about mentoring. Uh, when I was asked a question about mentors in my life, I, I thought about um, those who have mentored me from a distance through basically their preaching and writing, and then uh, more specifically, those who have mentored me on a personal level. Uh, so thinking back over the years, I would say that Martin Lloyd-Jones and John Stott were big, big uh, preaching and teaching influences on me through their recordings, through their books. Uh, I learned a lot from them. I gleaned a lot from them. Um, but on a personal level, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith was uh, personally a mentor to me in uh, so many, many ways. Um, Chuck was my father-in-law, so there was some uh, mentoring in that regard, uh, just showing me what it was like to be a man, to be um, uh, a provider for your family. Uh, he set an amazing example of love uh, toward my family, toward my kids uh, and my wife, so very specifically. So. Um, without necessarily trying, he was, he was modeling life for me and that was powerful, but he, uh, mentored me in, in ministry in as much as he was the person who gave me opportunities in ministry. And, uh, he, he asked me when I was a young guy, uh, to consider coming on his staff and doing an internship, which I did. And I learned a lot uh, through that process. Um, I learned the Bible through Pastor Chuck. I learned how to teach through Pastor Chuck, not because he ever sat me down and said, hey, this is how you do it, but he modeled it. And uh, myself and, and of course, hundreds and hundreds of other men uh, learned from his example in teaching and preaching, and uh, we adopted uh, so much of that. Um, I remember when I was early on in ministry, Chuck gave me my first library. Uh, he showed up with boxes and boxes full of books for me. And as I think back on it, uh, there was everything from Augustine to Calvin to Spurgeon, um, right on through to Lloyd Jones and um, Chuck's favorites like, uh, William Newell and, uh, H.A. Ironside and his, uh, favorite, I think of all was G. Campbell Morgan. So he gave me, uh, an amazing library full of all different kinds of, um, books from various theological perspectives and just said, um, here, here's your tools, get, get to work. And so, uh, that was really a significant thing. Um, Chuck would encourage me in pastoral ministry, not just giving me the opportunity when I was uh, young and starting out in the internship, but a few years down the road when a door would open up for me to uh, pastor my own church, uh, even though he was reluctant because of the family ties. And that meant that we were going to move away uh, from living closely to him uh, once he sensed the call of God. Uh, he was 100% supportive. And so uh, at 26 years old, I began uh, pastoring my own church. And now uh, we were distanced from each other, not, not too far. And I would see him, um, you know, fairly regularly. But his mentoring, again, was more um, by example. Um, Chuck was uh, rather... Uh, reserved, interestingly, when you were with him personally. So he wasn't one to sit down and say, here, let me teach you this or that. Although there were plenty of times when he didn't want to have conversations or I would be wondering about some doctrine or some uh, 
uh, you know, philosophical or theological thing. And we would have plenty of conversations about that. But basically it was uh, just the life that he lived and um, me being in proximity to him that uh, had, a, had a tremendous influence in ways that sometimes I wouldn't even realize until later when I would be thinking something or saying something or doing something and it would flash on me, wow, I, I actually learned this from Chuck. Uh, so he, he was a huge, uh, probably the, the single greatest mentor in my life. More recently, um, I've had, um, I, again, from a bit of a distance, but, but personal as well. Ray Ortland has been a, a huge blessing to me. Uh, I watched Ray's leadership and I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate his scholarship. I really appreciate his pastor's heart. Uh, Ray helped me to formulate things that I believed and would teach, but didn't necessarily have the language, but through Ray's teaching on gospel culture and his perspective on that, uh, that has all tremendously helped me. So I would even look today at this stage in life, uh, Ray's not that much older than me, but I would say that he has been uh, in some ways a mentor and I'm very thankful for the friendship I have with him. So I, I could probably keep going on, but uh, these are some of the influences that have shaped me over the years. Thanks, Brian. Our next voice is going to be from John Tyson, who was born and raised in Australia and has since moved to the U.S., where he has planted Church of the City, New York. He's going to speak about one of the influential voices that has influenced him as a preacher. When I think about a man who's impacted my preaching, I think of Dr. Stephen Mansfield. You know, I'm a little bit, <clears throat> I've, been, I've been through a lot of different seasons in my life and my faith. Uh, I became a Christian in the Assemblies of God in a youth revival in Australia. I moved over to a John MacArthur expository cessationist church. Uh, I've worked at suburban seeker megachurches, uh, the Emerging Church, got mentored by Keller in the early years of my journey here in New York City. And all of these people have spoken deeply into my theology of preaching, uh, the power of God, getting a quote-unquote word from the Lord, um, faithfulness to the text, the importance of application so the kingdom of God is made visible and real for people in real life, understanding mission in secular culture, expositing the gospel, laying bare the idols of the heart and the good news of the gospel. These mentors have all shaped me and these traditions have all shaped me. But Dr. Stephen Mansfield, above everybody else, has impacted my preaching. I first came and heard him when I was a youth pastor in Nashville in the early 2000s. I was serving at a suburban megachurch and someone invited me to come to Belmont Church. Belmont Church is a one of the big churches in Nashville. I think it was deeply impacted by the Jesus Movement. It's where some of the Jesus Movement uh, music came from. It was certainly headquartered in Nashville. And I was a youth pastor, busy serving all week long, and wasn't necessarily interested in going to another church on a Saturday night. But I'll never forget the first time I went there, being absolutely shaken. Stephen Mansfield had a breathtaking ability. Uh, he, was an ex he had an extraordinary presence in the pulpit, sense of authority, sense of integrity. Um, he handled the Word of God with such skill, faithfulness to the text, Greek language, um, insights, understanding, all that sort of stuff. And he had a, a, an uncanny ability to apply God's word to modern culture, to understand the emerging trends of secularism and how they were impacting people. And I remember just sitting there thinking, like wanting to scream, this is it. This is it. This is the integration of the preaching that I have been looking for. Faithfulness, power, culture, application, all in one place. But something extraordinary happened at the end of his sermon. He had an ability 
to turn the corner after the preaching of the word into a ministry time and encounter with the Holy Spirit. That was absolutely masterful. So a lot of times people will preach God's word and say, um, amen, let's close in prayer. He would close God's word and say, now we've heard the word, let's experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the word. And I would just sit there weeping under the manifest presence of God from the truth of God that we had just heard. And in many ways for the last 20 plus years, I've been trying to imitate, master, uh, extend the things I heard when I was a youth pastor. And those seeds were laid in my heart. And actually, I don't know if I've ever really shared that anywhere else before. People know my journey from Pentecostalism to cessationism to the emerging church to gospel centered, all of those things. But he was the first person I saw who could really integrate those in a way that just made me think, this is it. So even today, when I get feedback on my preaching, when I get positive feedback from my preaching, a lot of times people will say, man, it's your ability to understand the culture. It's your desire to be faithful to the text. It's your sense of presence when you preach. And it's also your integration of the best of the charismatic tradition into your theology and practice that I'm drawn to. And when I hear that, I'm deeply honored because it lets me know in some sense that I have extended on and carried on that legacy that I first encountered when I was in my early 20s at that particular church. So if you were to ask me who's impacted my preaching more than anyone else on earth, it would be Dr. Stephen Mansfield, Belmont Church, early 2000s, with that beautiful combination of culture, power, faithfulness, presence, and skill in the pulpit. And by the grace of God, I'm still trying to grow and imitate that today. Well, thanks very much, John. And thank you so much to John and to everyone else who sent in these audio clips, really honoring those that have invested in them and have shaped them into the preachers and leaders that they are today. I, I do want to briefly shout out uh, an influential mentor in my own life. Obviously, there's been many, and I benefit from so many influences, but but firstly, and in kind of a, a, a priority of, of time and place, I want to shout out uh, Danny Ramos. Uh, Danny Ramos was a youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Fallbrook. My parents observed how much trouble I was getting into in my teenage years and the negative and bad influences in my life. So they drugged me to a youth group in hopes that I would make some Christian friends who would be a good influence on me. And the pastor was a middle-aged Mexican man who was not trying to be cool or relevant. Uh, he just faithfully opened the Bible and taught it chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And it was under Danny's preaching that I was converted, uh, that I came to trust in Christ and have my sins forgiven and I'm just eternally thankful for his faithful witness to Christ through his word um, that brought me to a place of my heart being opened and strangely warmed and also forever changed. But not just that. Not only did Danny like show me Christ from the scriptures, um, he's also been a consistent influence in my life for more than 25 years ever since. And I'm, I'm so thankful. Uh, Danny is the one who officiated my wedding. And as I moved to Ireland to uh, serve in ministry capacity over there, every time we would come to America to visit, uh, we always would make sure to spend some time with Danny and his wife, Wanda. His wife, Wanda, was a mentor of my wife, Rachel. And because of that, again, we're just forever um, thankful. He has specifically encourage me in preaching, not only by modeling good preaching, but this is what I want to highlight. He has consistently resourced me in both books and in audio. He has been giving me like 
Alistair Begg MP3 CDs of Alistair Begg talking about preaching. Uh, He was the one who gave me John Stott's book, Between Two Worlds. And nearly every year I'd visit him and I'd come away with a stack of books. And we've heard in these stories, uh, men who have like invested long time and hours and reviewing sermon notes. Well, Danny's never reviewed any of my sermon notes, but he has filled my library with solid content that has been such a help for me. So I want to thank you, Danny. And uh, I want to thank every single person who's listening to this and is also investing in a young or new Bible teacher. Uh, Thank you so much for what you are doing. It is and it will bear fruit. And I thank you, and I'm thankful for that. Also, if you're a younger or newer Bible teacher, I'd encourage you to do what you can to look through your 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 church and those that are around you and ask for somebody to help you out. Uh, maybe they'll be able to commit to a long-term commitment. Maybe they'll sit down and chat with you. Maybe they'll hand you a book. But you know what? Appreciate the fact that if there's older, wiser, more experienced leaders who want to help you out, And let that just be a gift from God to be able to learn from others. Okay, this is the end of this episode. Uh, Get in touch uh, because about once a year or so, we'll do these kind of like super cut, long, multi-voiced episodes. They're a lot of work to put together, but I do know that compositely, it's so great to get these glimpses into life. So if there's a topic that you think would suit this style of episode, uh, get in touch. You can contact Expositors Collective through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we also have a, a private group, uh, which could be a great way for you to, to give feedback on this episode or also to connect with other Bible teachers. Uh, on Facebook, look for the Expositors Collective group. And I think it's facebook.com slash groups slash Expositors Collective. And you can join this private group of preachers. And all of us are trying to help to grow in our personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Have a great week and God bless you.